0: Just a note or a friendly reminder before we get started today, it is never my heart to trigger or bring up topics that would be heavy or hard for you to hear. However, these are real life stories that sometimes can get really messy. So listen with caution, but I hope that you are inspired and encouraged to know that you are not alone and that your story matters. Here we go. What do you think of when you think of April? Me, I think of springtime, but also that it's Child Abuse Prevention Month as well as Sexual Assault Awareness Month. What is awareness? Well, you would think it would be shining light onto things, highlighting things. So why not join that trend? The four podcasts you're going to hear throughout the month of April are going to be four different voices that have been affected by child abuse or sexual assault in some form or fashion. Four different stories that deserve to be heard, shared, and recognized that the situations that happened don't define these individuals. So I thank you for joining us for this journey. Let's get ready to have our first conversation. All right. Welcome back to Keeping It Real with Amber. And I am so excited to have my first guest that I did not have Um, a personal relationship with or contact with um, up until recently, and I've honestly only had one conversation for a few minutes on the phone with him a couple of weeks ago. If you would help me welcome Mark Sowersby. He's a pastor, author, husband, and father. Reverend Mark has been married to his wonderful wife, Jennifer, for over 17 years and is the father of four children. Mark has been ordained minister with the Assembly of God for over 25 years and is currently the pastor of Calvary Community Church in dudley massachusetts pastor mark holds a a bachelor's in theology from zion bible college also known as north point bible college in 2019 pastor mark went through a time of great healing i haven't talked to him much but i kind of recognize this wording and it means he hit his wall that would be my language he hit his wall and he started a healing process in 2019 He began speaking about the experiences of his past and God's grace and the transformational work of the forgiveness in his life. He now speaks about his story through his ministry, forgiving the nightmare. Talk about keeping it real. Like we all, we all can relate to that nightmare. Too many of us. When he isn't serving his congregation and his community through ministry, teaching and support, you can find him on the trails and lakes in the state of Maine, New Hampshire, and even upstate New York, spending time with his family. So Mark, welcome to Keeping It Real with Amber. I'm not even sure how you found me, but I am so excited to have this conversation. Um, It has been quite some time. I started my healing journey in 2010, and you and I both can keep it real and say we're going to be on that journey for until until the end but we are all a work in progress so we can look back and see where we started but we know that's not where we're at today so where do you want to start at today
1: well i want to say thank you for having me it's an honor to be with you and you know, just I'm believing God has something great for you and for myself and everyone's listening today. And I think we met because you knew somebody that I knew somebody and somebody knew somebody else and kind of connected us together. They heard my story. They heard your story and said, you need to talk to Amber. And I reached out and you reached back and we're just going to let God be glorified today. So Absolutely. again, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So what brought you, so I use the language in 2010, I hit my wall because what I was doing in life Just wasn't working for me anymore. I had never dealt with my abuse of being molested by my dad. Um, And I was just kind of going through the motions of life. I was really active in church at that time, had our own business and all of these other things. But like what brought you to the point of healing in your life?
1: Well, that's a great question. And, you know, again, I'm a pastor. I went to Bible school. I've been to church ever since I was 16. I don't think there's been a Sunday that I can remember not going to church. And I'm over 50 now. So, yeah, I had faith. I had the Lord. I had the word of God, but still, I was still hurting. And I don't mean like, Just hurting on the outside. I was hurting the deep inside, the the parts that were real, the parts that were genuine. I had children. I have a great wife. There was a lot of victories if you looked at me externally. You say, hey, this guy's got it all put together. But there was still this haunting of insecurity and fear and inability. And those haunted me because of my abuse. My abuse took place in my life from the time I was seven to I was 14. It was the late 70s, early 80s. It was a different time, different season. But again, where my healing came from is that I wanted to deal with the real, the core, the, the deeper issues, because again, it kept stealing my dignity, my self, my self respect. And also, uh, you know, I just had no confidence. I had no confidence. I said, God, I can't keep Mm. living like this.
0: Oh my goodness. Confidence is key because the only thing a perpetrator fears is confidence. And we know that Satan is a perpetrator and a molester of souls. Mm. So along with our innocence, many of us have our confidence stripped away at a very young age. So I find that interesting that you bring that word up at the front end of this. So I know that you wrote a book, Forgiving the Nightmare.
1: I did. I did. I wrote a book called Forgiving the Nightmare. It's my journey. It's my journey and how I've been able to forgive those who hurt me, hurt me, and abused me and neglected me. I there's so many parts and pieces to anybody's story. And the first yes, thing yes. I'll say is everybody has a nightmare. Yours mm-hmm. and mine was child abuse. But yes. anybody that's listening today could say they got a nightmare. It could be an untimely Absolutely. death, an addiction, a divorce, a bank, million things that I don't pretend to have the answer. But mm-hmm. I know what God did in my to help me heal those and be healed through my yeah. journey and through my story. So that's why I share it again, beginning of the books, a little bit of my personal testimony, where I came yeah. from. You know, I'm I'm not only a, a pastor, I'm not only a, a father, but, and I, and I wrote this book, but to write this book, I had to overcome some mountains. I'm a dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm a special ed student, the small bus. Remember when we yeah. I was in the small yeah. bus? So God called me to write a book and academia and education was a mountain in my life. I feared yes. it. I never wanted to, to go into it. I only did it out of the obedience of God. And so we put pen <laughs> to paper and we went and shared a story. And then the latter part of the book, as you mentioned, I really like hiking. You can tell by some of my hobbies. And when you're hiking, you got to file follow a trail, trail markers. And I put 10 trail markers that helped me, prayer and faith and friends and love and forgiveness and grace. And those trail markers helped me on my story, helping me be able to evaluate where I'm at. So go uh, go through the grace of forgiveness.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I love how our language uh, for those who have hung out with me before. So my ministry is actually called hope and it stands for healing our past experiences. Nice. And the best way I could explain it is that we all have past experiences that make us who we are today for better and for worse.
1: That's right. so-
0: You know, let's talk statistics for just a second. I I know that statistically speaking, um, for girls, one in three girls have experienced some kind of sexual trauma by their 18th birthday. But for guys, it's one in six. I think that that is probably an inaccurate number. I actually think the number is higher. But I think that with guys, there's a compounded guilt um, and shame that comes with it that often will keep guys silent for longer. Would you agree?
1: I would, 100%. I would 100% agree that men don't tend to speak about it as much as as women do. You're right, 100%. So
0: I know that is part of your story, correct?
1: It is, it is. You know, I again, I was abused by a man from seven to 14. Not only one man, but he sold me to be abused by other men. Uh, he beat me, stabbed me, raped me, and had others do the same. In my book, I say I became some sick fantasy from some yeah. hurting person. So again, very confused, uh, yeah. you know, from the generation I grew up in, you know, men didn't do that, and men had to. So uh, again, where do I reach out? Who am I? What is this that took place in my life? So I had to discover all that. Where I found the answers for me was in faith, is yeah. going through God. Doesn't mean every day was perfect or every day was easy. It was definitely something my wife and I had to to deal with and pray through yes. as we got married and and dealt with that as a couple, but. I'd have to say that your know, God is delivering me and setting me free. And I want to share, it. I share it with men and you can see a lot of guys don't want to talk about it, but they'll come to me later. You know, they won't yeah. come to me and they'll pull me aside and say, Hey, oh, yes. you know, something like that happened to me or this happened to me. And so I get this Vic, this victory when yes. we confess and we can share one with another.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think that to keep silent, to keep those secrets, it makes us sometimes even physically ill. Oh Yeah. You know, yeah. I've had that experience even in my own life. And I felt responsible for my dad and for the things that he had did. And um, I carried his guilt and shame around for a long time. And so it wasn't that I always kept silent, but when I would open my mouth up, others didn't necessarily know what to do with it,
1: sure.
0: you know? And so they, they would turn the other cheek in a sense. And so I have actually, I've prayed for a long time, Mark, and um, which is funny to me how God, like, brought us together because i had prayed for an army to rise up if if you ever look at the hope logo the o in my hope logo is actually um arms linked because i want to i've been praying for an army to rise up to go into those dark situations to bring light and hope and healing that you and i know can only come through jesus christ but i want to just kind of pivot just a little bit and i want to talk about the hearts who want to say there's not a god are they mad at god Or, you know, all of these different things. Because was there ever a season in your life where you got angry at God um, for the terrible things that you went through?
1: Oh, of course. I mean, I'm human. I cry. I get angry. I get frustrated. I You know, I'm human. And to genuinely look at my experiences and my past and the neglect and the abuse and the fear, to not get angry is not allowing yourself to be human. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah, I expressed all those feelings. God, where are you? God, where were you? God, why, how, when? You know, I asked all those questions. And, and not only, you know, not only those questions, but others. I shook my fist to heaven. You know, I said, hey, there's a reverend in front of my name. And sometimes I get mad, God, because I felt like, you know, the flesh feels like you have abandoned us. Mm-hmm. If you're so good, then why this happen? And I think in asking those questions, if we really are honest, and listen unto the word of God and listen to the spirit yeah. of the Lord; we can find the answers. They may not always be easy answers, right? But their answers are there.
0: So that's kind of where I ended up at in 2010. My mom passed away in January of 2010 um, from cancer, and my dad uh, was my perpetrator. And I'm an only child because you don't know me, Mark. You don't even know really my story. We haven't uh-huh. ever talked, so I don't want to assume anything. So I'm just kind of laying the groundwork, sure. so to speak. Sure. But that year is when I. I finally hit my wall, like I referred to a little bit earlier. And in that, I knew that something had to change. You know, I had went through a season as a teenager where I was angry at God and thought, well, if you're God and you're a loving God, then, you know, we've heard this question asked before, dot, dot, dot. But when I asked god these questions about why i went through the things i went through so i have memories as early as two and it goes on well through the physical part through when i was 11 and 12 and then psychologically like as long as my dad had access to me even at the age of 32 when he was still part of my life he was still making comments about my body in a way that a father would not think mm-hmm. of a daughter
1: mm-hmm. so even
0: though i married and have like seven kids at that time He's still showing um, ownership, owner over me, if that makes sense, and it disgusted me. Sure. And so when I started seeking it out and asking God, like, what does healing look like for me? Because I'm tired. I, I was actually my word would be miserable. I'm miserable. You know, I wore the mask that was accepted by everybody. Uh, you know, being a prominent person in, in the community, owning my own di- my own business, and being very active in our church and and all these things, but. He brought me to two scriptures that were so, so key in my healing process. And the first one was, he had to bring me to John 10, 10, where it says the thief, who Satan, right? The thief comes to still kill and destroy. So I find that so interesting that where I had blamed the hand of God for these unspeakable things that had happened to me throughout my whole life it wasn't God's plan. And so he had to, he had to bring me to the understanding that just like God has amazing plans for each of us. This isn't specific to you or to me, but like
1: yeah.
0: for each of us, he talks about that in Jeremiah 29, 11, but like the enemy has plans for us as, as well. He wants to take us out, like to still kill and destroy, like literally destroy our lives. And he knows that when he comes in in the form of sexual sin, Cause that's really what happened to both of us is somebody else's sexual sin was forced up on us. And then we are having to deal with the after effects of somebody else's sin, sure. you know? Sure. And so with that, it, it changed my heart towards God. You know, I wasn't as angry or like hurt or I used to, I had a relationship with Christ for a long time. Um, but I think of, and I'm showing my age here, um, home improvement where you had the uh, neighbor, Mr. Wilson, and he hid behind the wall and all you ever saw was like from his nose up. Yes. That was me pretty much in every relationship in my life. Mm. Because I had such trust issues that like, I was always kind and I was always cordial and I would love on people, but I would keep you at an arm's distance. You didn't get the whole me for a variety of reasons. One, because I didn't want to be rejected. I thought you wouldn't love me if you really knew me and all of these other fears and lies that I, I embraced for a long time. But after he walked me through John 10, 10, because the last part of John 10, 10 says, but I have come so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. It doesn't mean that I'm going to have a stuff that is not the interpreter, but like I can have abundant peace. I can have abundant joy. I can have abundant love. I can have abundant confidence in who I am in Christ And I no longer have to be afraid of the plans that the enemy has for me because he talks about it in his word that not one weapon that's formed against me will prosper. I just have to know how to walk in it. And so as long as I was wounded, and I think that that's just a really safe way to describe what we went through. Like we were wounded by the enemy very early on in our lives. And as long as we have those wounds that we never intentionally walk through and heal to the point of them becoming scars, it doesn't mean that didn't happen. It absolutely happened. But when when it's a scar, it doesn't evoke that emotion in me. It doesn't evoke a reaction out of me anymore. I can stand before whoever, whenever, whatever, and I can share my testimony with the goodness of God, knowing that I am whole and I am not those damaged goods that my dad made me be.
1: That's right. That's so, the
0: second scripture, and I know because whenever we talked just for a few minutes on the phone a couple of weeks ago, the second scripture that is my life verse and I live by every day is Romans 8 28, mm. where it says, this is probably an amber version, but it says, God can use all things for my good and for his glory, you know? And I was like, I remember having that conversation and being like, really? Like this dark damaged, ugly stuff. Ain't nobody wanting to talk about it. you. You want that? Mm. You can use that. Mm. And I remember him him just like, you know, didn't audibly hear. Cause some people like you heard and I'm like, mm, this was a, it was the thought though, like, if you're willing to give it to me. See the God that we serve Mark is a God of consent. Amen. You know, and I think that for those who have also been betrayed and, and in, in so many different ways, it doesn't have to be the same way that even you and I have been betrayed by others through sexual sin, but like when we have experienced betrayal and we have those trust issues, we think that that, that it serves no good, mm. that we have to tuck it away, you know, sure. and sure. I'm like, I'm just not going to deal with it. We avoid it, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, a lot of times, so
1: Amber, I want to let you know that you're echoing my story in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot of language I completely understand fully. It's 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 refreshing to speak to somebody who kind of gets the same point. Yeah. And I could tell you, you know, my my abuse started from my mom's husband. He was 20 years younger than her. I was born originally from an affair. My mom had an affair with a married man, and and I was the product of that affair. Uh, she wore the scarlet letter. She felt shameful. She felt embarrassed. She kind of ostracized herself from family and friends. And and because of her own pain, uh, it's not ex- excusing what she allowed to happen, but it helps me to at least understand it better. Uh, she met a man that... Uh, was broken in her. In a lot of ways, my mom was an enabler, not was. Well, she's passed now, but she was an enabler. She enabled this man 20 years, her younger, and he came into my life and he began to abuse me. Uh, Abuse me again from seven to 14. Around 14, I started to find some defenders. I found an uncle, my mother's youngest brother. Unfortunately, we lost him to cancer when I was uh, in the high school, my senior year, but he started to believe me. Uh, He started to say, "You know, I never forget the day I told him." He said, "Looked at me, you know, blue collar guy." He looked at me and said, "You know, Marky, you're telling stories, buddy." And I said, "No." And I ended up staying at his house for a while and just getting loved on and protected. And then I was getting bigger. You know, I was growing up, and I thought, "Okay, you're gonna take a pound of flesh from me. I'm not gonna go down kicking." But I think what the abuser. Uh, left me uh, besides all the physical abuse and praise the Lord, my body was healed and there was no diseases. And, and that you know, God was merciful and protected me in that way, but just left me with a stigma of junk. I felt like, yeah. like, like you, I never gave anybody all of me. It's, I like how you said the word trust because before I told my wife, I loved her. I really said, I trust you. And mm-hmm. that, that moment of saying, I trust you. Like I'm letting you in everywhere. Yes. She knows the past. She knows the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the up and down. She knows where I'm weak and where I'm strong. She knows when I'm pretending when I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. And, but I remember when I said I could trust her, I really felt like the Holy Spirit again, not audibly, just in my heart. Yeah. So that would be your wife, you know, and and mm-hmm. we had to walk through all that. So again, a lot of your language is the same as mine. And again, that's the things the enemy tries to steal from us, tries to um, take from us. He wants to leave us broken, empty, insecure, fearful people. You know, maybe in my romantic mind, I think, you know, God knew he wanted to use you and I from the moment we were born. Not that we're perfect, not that we have yeah, it all yeah. put together. And the enemy, even as a young, young people, tried to come in to destroy yeah, yeah. what God wanted to do. But God's ultimate plan, he's going to take what the enemy meant for evil. Yes. And For good, so you know, we're unperfect people. I tell I'm a pastor, I tell my church none of us live perfect lives, absolutely, but we can live forgiven lives, yes. You know, we live for and I think you look at you and I, real people, you have seven kids. Wow.
0: Um, Ashley, that was in 2010. I had seven.
1: Okay, I have 12. 12 kids. Wow, (laughs) I thought I had a lot with four kids. Uh so you know, you just got all the disciples all at once. That's it. Yeah. You got,
0: yeah, so. Well, and, you know, when we talk about our children, Mark, and I know that you probably have seen this even in your own is like when we have our healing process that we go through. For me, like when I started that healing journey, I even wanted more for my kids. Of course. You know, I didn't. And I was doing the best I could with what I had at the time and the understandings and the knowledge that I had at the time. But like, as I really embraced what healing looked like through Christ, it led the way for others to follow, you know, and and started overflowing. I couldn't give. If the only thing that, and it is not if, but it's like the only thing a perpetrator fears is confidence, whether that's a sexual perpetrator or whoever, you can't give what you don't have. And so for, in order for, for prevention of, of further hurts, you know, for our kids and for the future generations, like it really does start with us.
1: That's right. And I
0: know so many who like, they don't feel like they're worth the work. They feel like, um, they're damaged goods and they're too broken and they're too far gone and all these other things. One of the questions I had pop in my mind that I wanted to discuss with you because, I know that you have had to have this asked to you, would be. When forgiving someone of those things being done to you, aren't you saying that it was okay?
1: Not at all. Not at all. Because I believe there's a great uh, speaker, Dr. Sam Storm. Dr. Sam Storm, he, he writes about forgiveness. I use a couple of his quotes in my book. And he talks about the attributes of forgiving. And forgiving is not forgetting. Right. Right. Forgiving is not forgetting. Now I can forgive and still remember. I can be merciful and still say, I want to have healthy boundaries. I yes. can forgive and say, you still have to face justice. I can forgive and say, you know what? I don't have to have, uh, uh have, you know, a kumbaya moment with you. Yes. I can forgive and say, you know what? I may have to forgive tomorrow, and I may have to forgive the next day. I might have to be on a journey of forgiveness because sometimes the pain rises up in new ways. For instance, I remember becoming a father, and I'm holding my son in my arms. He came to the world the usual way. We're in the hospital. They they had me. Walk. And I remembered at that moment that no one ever loved me as much as I love my son. Now I had a lot of love for my mom, the best she could, but at yeah, that yeah. moment. I realized no one ever protected me. I was neglected. I was a leftover. I was left out there as a child. And I I remember this feeling of, of anger and sadness and rejection and just rising up in this moment should be beautiful to you a father and a son. And the the Holy spirit again, spoke to my heart and said, but I always loved you. Mm -hmm. And so again, there was another moment of that. I had to learn to forgive. So, yeah, I I don't, I think there's a, there's a myth out there that you go, Hey, you know, I forgive. I forgive you. So now we're best friends. And I, no, I think we could say I've forgiven you. I've put you in the Lord's arms. I've put you in the Lord's feet. Uh, but by me forgiving you is me breaking the bonds, breaking the yes. chain, breaking the the tentacles of you having control over me. My mom yes. is passed. Um, my abuser is uh, his body is riddled with MS. He's in a nursing home. He he's lost the power of speech. He cannot take care of himself. So, uh, and I, and I say, Lord, may you, may you go after you father, you love everyone. And I'd be a hypocrite to say, grace can't follow anyone, but my job is to put it at your feet and your job is to save the lost. So that's what I do. So, yeah, I, I think there's a fallacy about uh, uh, trying to say, okay, we forgave. And that means we don't hold to a responsibility because I think, again, I believe that there's seasons for counsel and and, uh, you know, counselors and coaches and psychiatrists and therapy, whatever somebody needs to do to get through that place of healing. I believe God can use it all. But I also believe that, uh, you know, it doesn't mean because I forgive, I forget.
0: Right. I know that that's a common question that I've had over the last decade where people are like, well, how could you ever and I could never. And, you know, and there's all these things. And I'm like, and we have a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. And so you have to uh, redefine that you know, I have forgiven my dad for the things that he did to me. Um, and I'm so thankful because I'm no longer bound by that, that bitterness and that anger and that rage that just would want to pop up inside of me and overflow into those around me that like, it wasn't even about them, you know, but like it would control me in different aspects. And so, um, I had somebody tell me, well, I've had a few different people tell me, but like, well, if you really forgive your dad, then why wouldn't you allow him to be part of your life? And that's where like, but he's not a safe person,
1: Yeah, yeah. you know, okay. and,
0: and it's a, God talks about boundaries mm-hmm. and boundaries are beautiful. Like that's one of my taglines. I'm like, listen, healthy relationships have boundaries. Right. And so like, we are absolutely, but I think it goes back to like, Mark, if you think about when we were kids, when boundaries are crossed, when we're so young as children, you know, children look to the adults in their life, To establish truth, Mm -hmm. and you and I both had very broken versions of what that would be.
1: One hundred percent. You know, but
0: like um, our boundaries were crossed, so we grew up not even knowing what a boundary was. Mm -hmm. Like, what is a boundary? And like, so then I know for many, and just like myself, would be like that was probably the hardest thing in the healing process is realizing that I was worth setting boundaries and that I can do this. And so it started out small. And I will, I'll just encourage the listeners right now that like, the people that you begin setting boundaries with, and sometimes it's family, that is the absolute hardest, you, you mark your line, and you hold it, Mm. you know, and it could, I'm not even going to fill in the blank, it could be simple boundaries, as in, nope, you know, I'm not, and I'm going to pick something silly and like, I'm not going to take phone calls after nine o'clock, you know, like something really vague. Like I'm going to just put a simple, cause we could put, we can make things a whole lot more complicated and I don't want to do that right now. Um, but like, okay, I'm going to schedule family time or whatever. I hope that makes sense to somebody. Like, I'm just trying to keep it really vague enough that you understand that you're worth setting boundaries. You don't have to be available to somebody 24 seven, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure. In relationships. Sure. Um, but that, can go in the aspect of like who you let have access to your kids, um, where you're spending your time at, you don't have to be everybody's yes. Like no is a very powerful word. I mean, you know, I had a, I, have,
1: I had a say. congregate one time. Tell me pastor Mark, a no, is just as good as a yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I was afraid to say no, because I, I was looking for acceptance. I was yep. I was creating a narrative of myself to protect myself. So if I had to be the clown, I'd be the clown. If I had to be the student, I'd be the student. If I, whatever I had to do to protect myself, I, you know, at seven years old, I built an immature psychological defense that Mm -hmm. I brought into my adulthood because I didn't know any better. So I lived with this concept of, of, what I believed was right and wrong, but it wasn't, it was all brokenness and sorrow. So again, I carried that for a long time, people at bay. I'll never forget when God said it's time to tear down your walls and build up an altar. So I started to you know, lay those things at the altar and it was scary and it was hard. And I, and I sometimes to take one step forward and two step back. And I, I wrestled with God and, you know, because the fear, the pain the insecurities, the lies that I bought myself. You know, I would walk into the room and I feel like the least important person in the room. They would ask mm-hmm. for volunteers. I never felt like I had the ability to volunteer. If I always felt like there's somebody could always do it better than me. Of mm-hmm. course, because I'm the I'm the least of. Um, right. not that I do it great now, but I'm sure I can do a few things better than some people. Some people could do a few things better than me. So right. I try to live very sober in my thinking. But I, right. I didn't like myself for so long. So I, I would push people away and do whatever I had to take do. So that reality was my reality of abuse, pain, sorrow. That narrative was all about me. And what happened is, even though I was a pastor, even though I preached the word of God, God still allowed the old me to overcast the new me. And then one day I started to trust God more and more and more. I didn't wake up to say, God, help me forgive. I woke up saying, God, I want more of you. And by seeking God, you know, I think I tell people, you know, the Bible says we can move mountains by faith. For me, God said, let's move the pebble. Let's move the stone. Let's yep. move the boulder. Let's move the rock. Hey, yep. now, Mark, let's go move the mountain. And then moving the mountain was to... uh Learn to forgive. And that only happened when God became bigger. You know, I tell people my past is still there. I can still, I can still remember it. It it never went away, but God became bigger than my past. Mm -hmm. And for me to say that you can understand because that past echoed everything rang every, every decision, every thought, every moment that past was, was dictating it. It was the Mm -hmm. runner of my life. You know, I, I, but then Christ became the hope of my life. And that past, even though it's large, God became bigger. His word, his spirit, his love, his grace became bigger than all that hurt. So, yeah, do I have days I struggle? Sure. And I, and I really like what you said about kids, because what I think is that I wanted to be the wall. I wanted to be the dam, if you would. I didn't mm-hmm. want to hand these things down. I'm going to hand down enough junk because I, I'm, yes. un, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, right? But, right. when my, but when my kids hear me talking about this kind of background, they look at me like I got three heads. They're compassionate. They're kind. They say, mm-hmm. sorry, dad, but they have no clue, no yeah, clue yeah. what it means to walk on eggshells. They have yeah. no clue to, to know by just the, the breathing of your abuser that you're going to get abused. Just mm-hmm. the way they, they their nostrils flare, you know you're going to get. <laughs> They don't know what it's like to walk in the house and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, there was no triggers. I would walk in from school and I'd be wrestled to the ground and raped or I'd be dragged to a van and raped by somebody else. You know, my teeth aren't real in front because a baseball bat hit me. I've been stabbed in my side. I've been burnt. I've been hurt. I've been Mm -hmm. wounded. So my kids don't know that. So they look at me and go, wow, sorry, dad. Can I have more money? Can I play? (laughs) Right.
0: Right. Well, and I think that as parents, um, you know, our worst fear, let's just talk about that. Our worst fear is that our, our kids would ever come to the understanding of what it would be like to be abused and betrayed in such a fashion.
1: Sure. Oh, man, that would be. You know, a- I look
0: at my family and as I began my healing journey, um, I look back and I know that I wasn't the first generation that my mom had been and that her mom had been. And so whenever, like I was seeking healing in my own life, I felt the weight of the next generation, sure,
1: sure, yeah, you know, and that was
0: where I didn't feel like I was worth the work. I felt like my kids were worth the work and I do have seven girls and I have five sons and, you know, I didn't want them to ever have to experience, um, The things were that I have went through, you know, we did have, uh, we have one child and I'm very careful not to, um, expose who, because it's not my testimony. It's their testimony who was violated by another child. And it wasn't a sibling was outside of our home. Sure. And I was already in the middle of ministry during all of this going on, you know, Mm -hmm. and the enemy wanted me, and and this is speaking to the parents who think it's too late, by the way,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, um, Wanted me to live in regret because here I am, I'm this person going out and ministering to those and helping others overcome our past experiences all the while, one of mine.
1: Ooh, I'm so sorry.
0: You know what I'm saying? And so um, it doesn't matter what season we're in. If, if you're the child in this in this story, if you're the parent in this story, or if you're the perpetrator in the story, it doesn't matter where you're at in the journey. There's absolute wholeness and healing for you that's right It's about handing it over
1: that's right amen And the question
0: i'll often ask others is how is it serving you right now like how is this bringing any good to your life right now and the answer for most is it's not it's making them miserable and bitter and ugly and angry and all these other passions so the only way that there can be good come out of that is if we trust our heavenly father with
1: it amen sister amen Amen. You know, you are it's some powerful things. You know, I think about my own abuse story, my own abuse uh, season. And I, uh, from the time of 1977 to 1984, I think that obviously abuse is horrible no matter when it happens, no matter what generation. I think, and this is just me throwing it against the wall. I came from one of the last generations where the awareness, support, advocacy wasn't as loud as it is today. It was out there, but it wasn't so prominent that we find it, it people willing to listen, support, and be on your side. So, you know, I came from that that generation. My mother did so, therefore, I was raised in it, that if we didn't talk about it, it didn't happen. And when evil things happen, it happened behind closed doors. Yes. So, uh, you know, I'm so thankful now that there are groups there are people, there is support. There are avenues to be able to share safely yes. when somebody goes through these horrible abuses in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. So again, it's horrible whenever it happens. But I think, again, I came from that generation where, you know, my mom, definitely, if we didn't talk about it, it didn't happen. Uh, and you know, I needed to talk about it. So mine did stop when I was 14. Again, I went and lived with an uncle. I, I, I got big enough to fight my defender, off, my, my abuser off. Uh, but you're right. I think that it's never too late because I lived in that brokenness. I carried that pain. You know, as a pastor, forgiveness is always good. God's called us to forgive. But sometimes, uh, you know, I, I find the Christian is the default, like a computer has a default. Sometimes the Christian has a default of forgiveness and they never go through the process of forgiveness. And the process of forgiveness is crying and, and, and just sometimes anger and sweat and shaking and right. freaking, flipping a table over and saying, God, help me, you know? Right. And I think God wants us to go through all that. And you know, Sometimes we, we have to allow ourselves to say, you know, I was wounded, but that doesn't have to own me. You know, yes. I remember the, my identity was victim. It's all mm-hmm. I knew. It's all yes. I knew. And when God told me to lay that down, that was hard because all I knew was how to be a victim. And I remember crying out to God saying, God, if I'm not a victim, then right. what am I? Mm-hmm. And he said to me in my spirit, again, not out loud in my heart yes. through his word. He said, Mark, you're victorious. Yes. If not a victim, you're victorious. Not perfect. Yep. <laughs> I'll ask my wife. Uh, you know, not that I, I, I I'm not rich, not powerful, yes. but I'm victorious. Now, where does my victory come from? jesus yes where is this what does good of this story that you and i have uh it helps other real people living real lives paying real bills uh driving the kids to real school and soccer and karate and you know doing real things and saying these things don't have to own me anymore and when they raise their head up and they always do you know i still that you know thank God that his mercies are made new every morning because sometimes the enemy still wants us. Hey, Mark, you're junk. You're leftover. Yep. You know, everything you are is, you know, if somebody loved you and I got to say in Jesus name, you know, yep. he's done such great things. So again, it's, you know, I want to talk more about as you do too, the, the victory we walk in. Yes. Because yep. why do we, why do we have what we have? Because we're not owned by that because we've yes. turned our life to Christ. And God has given us the victory step-by-step, precept-by-precept. Again, you're hearing my story. I'm over 50 now and you're hearing, you know, these things happened, whoa, 35 years ago. And, and again, perfect. I'm not perfect, but you're hearing it from a different perspective.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to, we're going to kind of round it up. Um, I want to thank you that as a man who has experienced these things, um, coming forth and putting, Allowing your voice to be the voice for others, because there are some who are still saying silent in the background. And the fact that you are in the church body, I think the church for the most part is the most naive, um, when it comes to things like this, you know, and, and I'm going to say this and, and we can discuss it if you want, but like, um, Sexual sin is one of those things like I have seen miracles happen. I've seen cancer healed and backs, all kinds of stuff done. But when it came to sexual sin and the after effects of sexual sin, God may heal a piece or a portion immediately or instantly in that moment. But generally, it's always seen a process that went through. I, you, you talked about the mile markers, kind of those things. Like I, I've made a curriculum and similar things. Like it was nuggets that were intricate in my healing process. Yeah. But by doing the work, working through knowing who I am and being a confident person, being victorious versus the victim, mm-hmm. you know, working through and knowing that the perpetrator had a plan and I wasn't the co-planner and and owning the different parts that were mine. My part is being responsible for the healing,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: not being responsible for what happened. And I think that, you know, as we work through those different pieces, it's through that, that we're able to turn around and begin pouring back into others how it was actually done in my life. Like freedom is absolutely possible. Amen. You don't have to be a prisoner of your past. And I think what holds up so many, and I was listening to you, is the fear of the unknown. Who am I without being the victim? That's right. And, and it holds people in bondage because they, are, they have a greater fear of the unknown and they're, they're content. And I call it miserably content. But like my prayer in my heart today, as we round this up, is that those who are listening, who are just feeling a stirring inside of them right now, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, that they don't have to be miserably content anymore, that there is freedom, that there is more, that there is forgiveness. And sometimes it's forgiving yourself for, for what you think you were responsible for.
1: Mm. You know, like
0: who you are today didn't happen overnight.
1: That's right. And yeah,
0: you've made some coping choices and and things out of the brokenness. Own your part, but don't live in regret. That's
1: right. That's right. Keep
0: getting up and making one step forward each and every day. Any other words of encouragement?
1: Well, you know, David said, even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for my Lord God will comfort me. And, you know, you and I have walked through a valley of abuse. And yes. walking through that valley is where I learned my strength. You'll often mm-hmm. hear me say at my church, Lord, I know you can heal through miraculous or the pharmacist, but I know yes, you yes. can do it. And believe me, I believe God can open up blind eyes, deaf ears. He can Absolutely. do it miraculously. But sometimes in the journey, and that's why yes. I call it forgiving. Uh, yes, God yes. forgave me instantly, but sometimes we have to go through the journey of forgiving yes. daily. You know, uh, and we, we kind of like, so I give yourself some grace, yes, you know, yes. you had the, you had, uh, the abuse victim had the world come down on them of toxic stew of, of yes, poison yes. and lust and lies and hurt and pain and sin. And, and it was just so difficult. So give yourself some grace yes. and be sober in your thought and bring it to God and God will walk with you. Amen. Absolutely.
0: Mark, I want to thank you for being on Keeping Your Ill with Amber today, being my first guest that I've actually done the Zoom recording with. uh, We're learning this journey together, but I just want to, um, I want to kind of stand arm in arm as we go out today, knowing and, and reiterating, so to speak, that those who are listening, they're not alone. Not at all at all. You are not alone. That is a lie of the enemy that ain't nobody else going to believe you're crazy or understand you're crazy because I promise you, you are not alone. Whatever your nightmare has been, uh, whatever your, your junk has been, you're not alone, that there is absolute freedom in Jesus.
1: Amen. And that
0: might sound really cheesy for somebody who's really mad at God right now, but I'm telling you, if you want to test the water, so to speak, and be like, Lord, did you really say and he's going to come back and he's, he's going, he already loves you. He already loves you. He is just waiting for you to say yes to him because he is a God of consent. He's not going to come in like a wrecking ball. He's not going to take anything you didn't ask him to take. He's a God of consent. And for those who have been betrayed in the ways that we have been, it, it makes a big difference. He is a loving father. Um, And for me who had an earthly father who betrayed me, And these ways that a father should have never thought of a daughter. It was really hard to embrace him as my heavenly father, but he's a father who loves me and adores me. And it's not just for me. It's for all of us.
1: Amen. Mark,
0: I appreciate you taking time out of your day today to share your story, to encourage others. I'm going to put a link um, in the show notes for his book and for his website, check out these resources, because if it's not for you, I promise it's for somebody that you know, because everybody knows somebody who who has experienced sexual abuse, misuse, or trauma. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Perhaps you have more questions or you want to share a bit of your story. Go to anchor.fm backslash keeping it real with Amber and send us a voice message. We may even feature it on a future podcast or we can keep you anonymous. So again, check us out anchor.fm backslash keeping it real with Amber.